This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. All right, Dodger fans, we're excited to welcome a new guest to the Incline Dodgers this week. You might recognize him from KTLA, or maybe you've heard his voice or seen him on TV covering the LA Sparks, or I even saw him myself covering the South Bay Lakers one day, but I'll mention that in a second. It's Rashawn Haylock. Uh, This is a long time coming, so Rashawn, thank you so much for joining the Incline this week. Hey, now, you got the Sparks mentioned in, so I I appreciate that. A lot of people shy away from from, from the Sparks, but I I appreciate that. (laughs) I don't discriminate between any sports, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean the Sparks. I'll be honest, I don't I don't watch them too frequently, so I don't know what's going on. But a friend of mine, Chris Camello, he he follows them pretty heavily. Chris, yeah, he's uh he's he's locked in. He's locked in for sure, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, how's how's uh the season going with everything so far for you? Oh man, it's uh, I I mean it's been, I mean it's great. We got a great team, you know, on the broadcast side. Uh, I got a terrific partner in in Allie Clifton. Um, she's one of the best teammates you could have, right? Uh, Nikki K rocking our sidelines. Uh, so it's been great from that standpoint, from the team, they got off to a really good start. Uh, and then they've kind of stumped their toe here a little bit, uh, to find themselves in a little bit of a losing streak here and, and the injuries have kind of, kind of mounted up. So it's tough. Uh, it's been tough. They've, they've got more players injured than any play, any, any other team in the league. So they've been hit, hit pretty hard. That, that injury list just continues to, uh, to, to lengthen and that's not what you want, but, uh, hopefully, you know, everybody, once everybody gets healthy, I think this team could surprise some people. Awesome. So I ran into Rashawn before the season started at fan fest. And now here we are about three months into the baseball season. So I want to get your early thoughts, Rashawn, on just your overall impressions on this team so far for the Dodgers. Well, it's, I'll preface this by saying I didn't have high hopes for this team coming in. So in a sense, you get to a certain point in the season, you're looking up and you're like, wow, this team is in first place. And I'm like, wow, okay, how did this happen? Right. And the Diamondbacks have kind of been surging and, and, you know, they're, they're kind of taking care of business down there in Phoenix. But I mean, for me, I think there's, I know a lot of Dodger fans aren't happy right now, especially with the bullpen, but in a sense, I, and I, they've kind of overachieved to me. Like I, I didn't have the the highest of hopes, the highest of expectations. I'm thinking maybe this team could make the playoffs, maybe a, a wild card team. But uh, I, I wasn't sure that this was, you know, that group that could win a division championship, uh, that could be a World Series contender. Now that being said, you know, baseball is one of those funny things, right? I mean, you get going, it, it's the teams you don't expect, right? I mean, the baseball posting is so weird, right? So, I mean, you give them a chance. How funny would that be if this is the team of all right. the great teams they've had throughout the last, you know, few years that actually gets it done? But um, I, I, you got to a point, I got to a point in the offseason where you look at the moves that were being made. And for the first time in a long time, it's like, okay, the, they're, kind of not really spending the way they had been so something's up right and and you know that the organization didn't get tired of winning it looks like they may have their sights on a guy down in anaheim so uh i i think that's that's kind of where 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 this thing is is headed yeah i mean shohei otani easily just rose his stock as well with his most recent performance against the dodgers where he struck out 12 of our guys only gave up one run was he ended up getting charged with the loss because the angels couldn't put up any runs, but I mean, bro, baseball is cold, man. Baseball is baseball is hard. It can be a brutal sport sometimes. 
But we've we've seen that happen to Clayton Kershaw way too many times. Uh, but yeah, Otani definitely delivered with the glove. The bat was ice cold. Didn't have a hit in that series, which I think a lot of Dodger fans were kind of anticipating Otani uh, taking someone on our club team. But yeah, magically, this bullpen kept the Angels in check. They had a bullpen game that was successful, shut them out completely. So that was really impressive and miraculous. So we'll see if that is a turning point in the season. But uh, early, early on in one of your points you just made, uh, you said you weren't as high on this team like my co-host Jake, who thinks this Dodgers team is better than a, a lot of people might give them credit for. I, on the other hand, kind of think they're playing to their level right now. Um, so what is it? Is it this roster that just isn't as impressive to you versus maybe years past? I, I think it's the roster composition. I think I used to cover the Angels uh, back in, in my former life uh, and when Mike Social was there and, and he used the term often, he talked about length in a lineup, right? And I, I just don't know that this lineup is as scary as it had been in previous years. I mean, look, you say what you want to say about Trey Turner. And I'm not mad that Trey Turner walked. Like, I, I for one, like, I didn't agree with, you know, 300 for him. I was in the minority when it came to Corey Seager. Thank you. Good riddance. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't on par with, with them paying, you know, those those handsome, those 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 high amounts of, of money to either of those two players, right? And so um, I, I was right in lockstep with the organization when it came to those particular moves uh, in general. And so, but you you look at it and I mean, these are, I mean, these are still big time bats that you lose out of your lineup, right? Seager the year before, and then, you know, obviously Turner coming into this season and, and you saw what Trey did in, in the WBC, kind of got off to a slow start with the Phillies uh, once the regular season, you know, got started. But, uh, and, and then, you know, you have the, the injury to the, to Lux, you know, during spring training. And this is a guy who, you know, they were counting on, right. They, they were counting on him to, to, to be a bat, right. It was always like, where do we play this guy defensively? But I don't think anybody ever really questioned his bat. And so I think, I think it was that, um, but then also looked at the pitching, um as well like that the rotation i thought the rotation was okay but there andrew freeman uses the term organizational depth uh and i wasn't sure that i felt like they would have to get into that organizational depth earlier in the season than in years past where you know it's it's later on and, and maybe a guy comes up and it's like oh wow okay we still got this arm down there okay this this guy is still there like we've seen guys have to come up earlier in the season right uh, like a Bobby Miller, right? So, it, so there was a, a a a combination of those things that made me think, like, all right, this is going to be not necessarily a rebuilding year. Like, this team is going to be very competitive. I I think this team can make the playoffs, um, but it's not the the cream, the the upper echelon, the bona fide World Series threat. Uh, the we're going to win the division by you know you know, 10 plus games, like it's, you're not knocking on the door of a hundred wins with this squad. Like I just didn't see that coming into this season. Right. And yeah, you, you, you brought up a good point how the postseason is such a crap shoot these days that you could just get in and pretty much any team has a shot to make the world series. I mean, we saw that with the Phillies last season, the Atlanta Braves in 2021, you go, you don't, you go down the list, the nationals in 2019. Nationals, um, yeah. So I think the Dodgers are, they're trying a different approach here after the 111 team got bounced in the first round, only winning one game. Um, no surprise to me that Trey Turner, they let walk in free agency. Like you said, he wasn't worth the $300 million contract. I do disagree. I wish they had kept Corey Seager. I mean, you're talking one of the biggest Corey Seager fans <laughs> out here <laughs> showing a bobblehead for those listening on the audio feed. So even, even at that price though, Kevin. At that price. And I mean, the injuries are a concern with him. He he always tends to get hurt every season. But you look at his stats right now. He's like a 360 hitter. He's improved defensively as well. He's about league average. And then he has a on-base plus slugging in the thousands. I think that bat, the type of hitter that Corey Seager's just been throughout his, his career, it's hard to find a more consistent guy. I mean, they got Freddie Freeman to, I guess, technically replace him. Although I think the Dodgers probably could have worked their magic and had signed both of them yeah see i i think they were very fortunate with freeman and i think that 
I, I mean, I like Seager. Don't get me wrong. And and you are you oftentimes you want to keep guys that kind of came up, right? That, that, right. So I understand all that, and and he's a he's a talent. Don't get me wrong, but just at that price, I because at a certain point, I mean, like, what, at what point does the well run dry? You know, like where where can you you stop signing some of these checks? And so I just didn't, I didn't see. It. And on top of that. Like and you're probably gonna you're probably gonna get on me for this one as well. Like, I I, I didn't think he should have been the world. I think the, him being the World Series MVP probably added to the lore of Corey Seager. I don't think he should have been World Series MVP. I thought it should have been Julio. Oh, and, Julio. And so I I for sure thought Julio Urias should have been the World Series MVP. And and I, I in all honesty, when they announced Corey Seager, I was stunned. I was shocked. Wow. Uh, and so I think him having that on his resume, of course that. You know that adds to that 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 adds to the price tag, right? And he's a Boris guy too, if I'm if I'm not he mistaken. Is. So hey, you know <laughs> that that's the way you know that that that's that's the way it goes. And so I was okay with him walking for that price. Would I have liked to see him remain a Dodger and be in the Dodger uniform, retire as a Dodger? Absolutely. But at that price, I just thought I just thought that was a lot. Yeah, I get you. I mean, it was like ten years, three hundred twenty-five million. That's just a big commitment especially to a guy that has dealt with injuries in the past. You just never know. Um, I would have, I would have argued that maybe Clayton Kershaw should have been the world series MVP because he won two of his starts and was basically unhittable against Tampa Bay. Uh, There was no doubt Corey Seager Seager was going to win the NLCS MVP. Kersh was my number two. It was Julio (laughs) Kersh. And so I like, if Kersh would have got it, I'm like, okay, I get it. Right. I was floored. (laughs) <laughs> when they when they when they when they announced crazy, I was floored. But in my and this is just me, like I thought Julio would his presence out of that bull. I don't know that they win that series without Julio. That that was just me. I thought he had. I thought he was the most impactful player in the series. That's definitely a true point. I don't think anyone could argue that Julio Urias was an essential component to that championship roster, without a doubt. And he's he's only carried it over the the next few seasons in his, in his career. And you want to talk about another Boris guy? Well, you might get sticker shocked with what Urias is probably going to ask in free agency because I am expecting it to be a big boatload as well. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I I I don't doubt that, and I think he's he may be the backup plan, right? Yeah. Like if 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 Shohei comes which they're hoping you would imagine like all the moves lead to that. Right. Then he may be a casualty of that. Right. Cause I don't see them paying him and then paying Shohei as well. Yeah. Right? So I think, I think Julio may be the backup plan. And if Julio's the backup plan, then, then I think you pay him. I would much rather pay. See, like I'm, I would much rather pay for, for arms than I would for a bat. Hmm. Cause I feel like you can find, you can find some guys that can hit. I mean, look, Chris Taylor dropped from the moon. Max Muncy came out of nowhere, right? Like, I think you can kind of find some guys. But I think, like, you need some, especially when it comes out of the postseason, like, you need some bona fide dudes that you put them out there on the mound, you know you're getting a dub that night, right? And I know Absolutely. the game has changed a little bit because it's become more of a bullpen game, this, that, or the other. Um, but I – I think I'm more inclined. I mean, depending on the price, of course, too. I think I'm more inclined with um, with with paying an arm. Like, give me a choice between Scherzer or Seager, right? I lean Scherzer, right? Ugh. And so right I, now, I, th- I thought. Well, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But like at like at the time, I'm like, well, how could you not? I thought for sure they were gonna they were gonna keep they were gonna try to keep him, but uh, you know it didn't. Unless work out you know much. something I I don't know after yeah, his uh, excuse of tired arm, I yeah. knew he wasn't coming back. Well, I think and I think that was probably what sort of did him in though, right? Like yeah. because and and maybe in credit to the organization, maybe they saw the writing on the wall that you know this tired arm thing, you know maybe more than just tired arm, you know he's I mean he's, there's a lot of miles a lot of miles on that arm. True. Yeah, and he got lit up by the Padres last postseason. He was awful. Yeah. Gave up like seven earned runs or something. It was it was a blowout. Yeah, he he's not he's not he hasn't been the Mad Max. That's you know, since, since no, he's no doubt about it. Yeah, 
And the last point on Corey Seager, this was just a quick thought. My only disappointment is that here we are thinking that Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger were the future of this organization, figured one of them was going to was going to get re-signed. And with the fall off of Bellinger after they had let Seager walk, it was just riding on the wall, knowing that this is kind of a fresh start and we'd have to bring up new guys such as Altman, Vargas, Bush, maybe Cartaya, you name it for position players. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a real thing. I, I think I, I think Belly kind of hit himself or didn't or he kind of hit himself out of the organization yeah. right? or, or didn't hit himself however you want to put it but I, I think that was kind of kind of what happened with him and I mean it's that I mean that's interesting in itself I mean that was that was a Matt Kemp like fall in my yeah. opinion um just from here it, I mean just a hard a hard landing right I mean you talk about a guy who's an MVP Kemp is a guy who should have won MVP right I'm still upset about that <laughs> And, and, but then for it to just so quickly, um, that was, that was disheartening and you, you wanted more for belly than that, but you know, you can't really blame the organization for going that route. Absolutely. At least Matt Kemp got to come back and had a little bit of a redemption story, got to appear in that world series, hit a home run off Chris sale. So that was epic at least. But speaking of past Dodgers, I was going to ask you, Rashawn, Give me one or two Dodgers that are a personal favorite of yours, whether it's current or from the past. Oh man, you're you're talking to little Rashawn here. All right, I'll give you two. Uh Ramon Martinez and Raul right. Mondesi. Those All are, right, going way those back. Those are my guys growing up, right? As I'm I'm probably a little bit older than you, but uh Raul Mondesi was one of my favorites. Um I love Bulldog too. I mean, those those guys are like one A, one B for me. Uh I don't remember I don't. I didn't see Fernando a whole lot. Like I, I, I remember watching him as a kid, but just not a whole lot. Not as much as I saw. Uh, not as much as I saw Martinez for sure, and definitely, um, and and, and de- definitely not uh, Hershiser. But uh, though that, that was kind of my guy. And then <clears throat> Raul Mondesi was my favorite player growing up. Uh, I, I loved Raul Mondesi. Um, when he was in a was he was a Dodger uniform. Uh, I I'd go in the backyard. I used to try to try to emulate Gary Sheffield. Um, you know, I was I was in hog heaven when when Strawberry and Eric Davis, you know, put on that 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 Dodger blue uniform. So that those would be those would be my those would be my guys. And I was a huge Delano DeShields fan too. Prior to him coming here, mm. I felt like every time the Dodgers went up there to Montreal, like he beat us. Like he was he was always getting some sort of walk off or something. Then he came here. I remember I was I was so excited. But the top two, without a doubt, Mondesi and 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 uh and Ramon Martinez. I like it. Yeah. Great picks. That's that is a my, I would be really, really young back then. I was born in 92. So oh, know, my yeah, first memories. So my but first, you were born right in the middle of those. Yeah. Back, all those those rookie of the year, all those rookie of the years. Those back to back to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yep. Yeah. My memories started to involve like Sean Green and Kevin Brown, Brian yeah. Jordan, Sheffield. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Awesome. Another question I had for you, Rashawn. You're obviously a man that covers many sports. So what's the difference between covering baseball versus the other sports out there? <laughs> you want me to tell the truth? Uh, so Whatever you're comfortable with. Ba- baseball is... um. Baseball is, baseball is a grind, right? Because baseball is every day. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just every day. It's like all day, right? Like, I mean, basketball, like you'll have shoot around in the morning. At least you get to go back home for a little bit, you know, rest up, get ready to go back to the game at night. Like for baseball, you're showing up at 3, 3.30, and then you're there till like 11 or midnight, right? And that's, and it's come next day, see you tomorrow. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing, like over and over, right? Like it's, so you kind of, you it it can become like a little monotonous at times. Um, I'm probably gonna kill for saying this, but whatever. Baseball writers are probably some of the, not all of them, but some. There, there are a couple guys out there who I love, but there are a few baseball writers. I'll just say this, I'll just put it this way. I don't wanna generalize, but there are a few baseball writers who think they invented the game. <laughs> And that is, that, that is, that's, that's incredible to me. And, and the, and, and some of these guys are like, you know how there's like baseball has like all these unwritten rules. Yeah. Baseball writers have like all these unwritten rules. So like be careful me. going into a clubhouse and not knowing, cause you know, one of these guys may bark at you. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I'm speaking from personal experience here. So uh, I would say that's probably the difference between covering baseball and maybe the other sports. Now, as far as like being out at the ballpark and like that, it's, I mean, I covered the Angels for a, for a while. I mean, that was special, but covering the Dodgers is, I mean, Tommy said it right. I mean, it, it that is just a special place, right? Uh, the atmosphere there is always live. Um, I mean, it's Tuesday night. You're still getting 35, 40,000 out there, like just, you know, ready to rock and rock and roll. So I, I'd say just the atmosphere, like it's hard to beat like a baseball, like just a summer, you know, one of those warm summer nights at the ballpark. Like that is, that that's tough to beat. Um, so it, it definitely has its perks, uh, but there, there's some, uh, there's some, that's why this new blood, you know, folks like yourself, Kevin, and you know, much of other guys that are coming up now. I think they're kind of changing that narrative, so to speak. That's good, and I definitely I know what you're talking about. There's some writers out there that they just give me this vibe. If you disagree with anything that they say, they'll come oh. at you like you've <laughs> sinned or something. It's awful. It is terrible. Like it is, it is, it is awful. Um, I mean, there there's some good guys out there. Don't get me wrong, though. T- Tim Brown. Uh, I, he was around a lot. He was with Yahoo, with Yahoo at the time. Um, you know, great guy. He was always he always treated me well. Um, there's a bunch of other guys out there as well. Jo- Joe Pander Lopez, uh, Beth Harris. They they both cover. Um, there's a lot. I don't want to you know. Get, but I mean, those those are those are some uh, some some great people. But there there's some other writers out there that are like, whoo, like careful. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think people get it. I think people know what you're talking about as well. Baseball writers could be the worst, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you mentioned you're a little down on this team, but you're not too down. You think they can make the playoffs. We got the MLB trade deadline coming up in a little over a month. I don't know if you've had any thoughts on it yet. If there are any players out there potentially in the open market or just dream candidates, positions that you would like to see the Dodgers address before... (laughs) The trade deadline passes. I, I mean, I, I think the obvious concern is the bullpen, right? Um, like, like the lineup. There's not a lot of length in the lineup. Lineup doesn't scare you like it did in the past. But I think there's enough, right? Like this team could still score runs, right? Like, so I don't know that that's necessarily the issue. But bullpens could be so temperamental, like from year to year, or even from like one part of the season to the next, and so. And I'm old school in, in this regard, like this whole by committee, like I think you need a guy. Yeah. I, I think closers are just wired differently, right? Like, and, and this is my biggest, <clears throat> this is my, my biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves is, and people used to get, people would get mad at Kinley for this. Um, and I understand like, you got to be a pro this out of the other, right? But people get mad at Kinley for this for forever. And, and this is no knock on Dave. Like I love Dave. I, I, I'm, I'm a Dave proponent. But sometimes like he put Kinley in there, you know, top of the ninth tie game, right? Whatever it is, non-safe situation. Kinley blows it, right? 
and like you and 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 this is just this is my estimation. Like you put closers in non-safe situations, it messes with them. Like I saw it happen with Mo, like Mariano Rivera, like he was untouchable, right? You put him in some of those situations, like it's like, oh whoa, what happened to Rivera that night, right? Like I saw it happen to Kinley, like you know, consistently, like bunch of big time closers when that was really a thing across the league. Like you put them in those non-safe situations and. You know, it just mess with it just messes with them, right? Like I think those guys are wired differently. Like there's a whole total, totally different mindset when you're coming in the game, knowing you need to shut this thing down, versus we're like, okay, let me just it's just hide, right? Let me let me just not, you know, let, let me just not, you know, give this up here. And so, um, like I think you need a I think you need a guy. I, I know the analytics say, okay, well, if in the seventh inning comes, then the heart of the inning is there, then you want your guy in that situation. Okay, but then what happens to the eighth and the ninth? Right? What happens to the ninth? Because you gotta look at it from the other side too. And and I and credit Jerry Harrison, because I heard him say this uh on the post game last night actually, right? It's the bottom of the ninth, you're down, you're on deck or you're on the whole like guys are talking like, hey, like, you know, they're just as locked in in terms of trying to get on base or trying to get in, you know, that tying run or go ahead run just as much as, you know, the, the, the pitching staff is as well. Right. And so you got guys playing with a, a heightened sense of awareness at the plate. I think you need to match that with a bona fide, a bona fide, true lockdown guy at, at the back end of your bullpen. Um, you know, that that's kind of, you know, fizzled away, but and but that that's just kind of where I am and so but you got obviously got to, got to be able to get to that guy too which you know obviously this Dodger team has had a hard time uh doing this year as well so the the hard part is like how much do you want to give up if you're the Dodgers because if you if you go after a reliever or two which I think this team probably needs I think it probably needs maybe probably more than one arm in, in the back in the back of that bullpen I mean, you're gonna have to give up something, right? And if teams know that that you need it, right, they're gonna up the price tag, right? And then yep. with the playoffs being expanded the way they were, like there are more teams at the deadline that think they're actually buyers, right? And so that makes it even difficult. So then now you're getting a bidding war. And so I think if you can, you try to get an arm, maybe two. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's a starter you know, that you can bring up that maybe you can eat up some innings for you or an inning or so here and there in the bullpen, um, kind of like a Julio role, which he had in, in, in 2020. Uh, but you definitely need to shore, shore that up. Um, and and that, that's, that, that's it. I think this team gets a reliever and, you know, things are looking prettier than they are right now. But I'm like you, Kevin. Like, I think they're kind of playing at their level right now. Yeah. You brought up some great points. Couldn't couldn't uh, agree more about just defining a closer already. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it should be Evan Phillips, but I think due to the inconsistencies of the other relievers, they've kind of just had to throw Phillips all over the place, using him as a fireman sometimes in that seventh inning to face the heart. But I also think it's it's backfired, like you mentioned. They they've thrown Phillips out there in the eighth or the ninth in a tie game as well, and he's given up runs because I think a great point is there, there needs to be consistency. These guys are on a schedule. They are in a, a rhythm, a mental rhythm. So I think if they can either trade for a closer or name Phillips, the closer and find a guy to set up for him, that'll lead to a lot more success with this Dodgers bullpen in the second half of the season. And that was my issue last season with the whole Kimbrel experiment, right? It was like, you might as well just kept Kinley. Yeah. If you bring this guy in, right? I mean, they're like they were seriously like the same pitcher, right? Like it, to, to an extent, and you could argue Kinley was even better over the last year or two prior to Kimbrel getting here, right? Oh, he's and much so, better. So, so you bring him in, it's like, well, you might you should have just kept Kinley, right? And so you go through that whole situation last season, then you come into this year and you just don't have you don't you don't have enough. You don't you don't have enough, and you don't have a guy per se, right? And to your point, they've had to move Phillips all over, and and it, it's backfired. So you need a guy. Yeah, personally, I what I do like about this Dodgers roster is that they've been able to integrate a lot of the rookies finally this season. There's just been so much talk over the years with all these great prospects in the farm system, 
And then we get to see them barely play at the major league level. And so they, they let like 10 or 11 guys walk in free agency. And so like you mentioned earlier, they're not rebuilding. It's not even really retooling. It's just a, a, it's like a mixture of rookies and veterans. And so I think that's why there's a lot of growing pains right now. Uh, The Dodgers will have to boil down and make some tough decisions though. If they are serious about competing for a world series and potentially trading for a veteran or two hitter, if the guys like Vargas and Outman continue to slump like they've had for the most part this season. But I do like seeing them throw Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, and even though he didn't work out, Gavin Stone making some starts this season. And if we're keeping it a book, maybe that's the goal, right? Let's let's bring these guys up. Let's throw them in the fire. Let's see what they look like. And this year is just kind of like a, a let's see year, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully you strike in free agency. You bring the guy up to five, put him in Dodger blue, and then you start to put some other pieces around, right? And and now you're back hunting for a championship again. But now you're trying to see who can I go hunting with if you're this Dodgers front office. And maybe that actually is the goal this season, right? Yeah. Um. And I mean, it it appears to be that way. Like it, none of the signs pointed to them being contenders, the World Series contenders this season like nothing and you can't i mean i like to your point outman right came out of the gate blazing right like tough to expect him to keep that up for an entire season right um so i mean perhaps that's the goal like let's see who who are we going to keep around like who who's shown that they're ready you know who's going to be ready for these battles once hopefully we get our guy and some other guys around him who who are we going to keep absolutely all right a couple more questions for you um the Dodgers and Astros are crossing paths once again. There will be a lot of lot of fans on the Dodgers side coming to the ballpark to probably boo the hell out of the Astros. So for you personally, are you over this whole Astros thing? Have you moved on or do you have a grudge forever? I no, I I, I every time I try to move on, I can't. And I I'll tell you I'll I'll share this much. There it pained me, but I was happy for Dusty. I wanted to see Dusty finally win. And so it was it, it was tough, right? I mean, you're talking about emotional roller coaster, right? Like half of you is like, ah, the other part is like, okay, like Dusty Baker, great Dodger, like, okay. Like and and the guy's been around for a long time. So you, you know, you want it for him. So I'm happy for that. But in terms of the whole, like, no, no, because because what they did, not only not only did did they kind of take a World Series away? But I think they kind of, they tainted Kirsch's rep. They tainted his his resume, right? Um, you know, they have that that game, obviously, right? And, and I'll tell you a quick story. Like, my wife and I started, <laughs> we were watching the game at our house. And we started watching the game there. We Ubered back home, turned the game back on. Like, well, what the hell just happened, right? And this was the game at Houston where Kirsch gave up two leads, right? I forget what game that was. Game four, game five, I forget what it was. But five. Um, like that, like, and that added to the whole Kirsch mystique, if you will, of not being able to pitch in the postseason, right? Because these guys weren't doing what they were supposed to be. Because these guys, um, because they were cheating. Let's just call it what they what it is, right? Like I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tiptoe around this thing because they were cheating and no, I'm not over this. I don't know that I, if I, that I'll ever be over it because major league baseball, let them off the hook. Um, the guys walk around like they didn't do anything. Right. They, they act like they're bigger than the situation itself. Um, and it's like, it's tainted. It is tainted, but Altuve, and I was a huge Altuve guy too. Bregman, like, like, I go back to when I was covering the Angels, right? The Astros had all this young group of talent coming up, like, wow, like this is a really good team, right? Sports Illustrated right to the bottom, they're gonna win the World Series in this year or whatever, and they won it. Um, but for it to happen and come that way, no, I'm not over it. And they deserve every single boo that they get when they walk into the stadium, and it should happen, it should happen until those guys retire. No accountability. Like they took <laughs> yeah. no ownership of the situation. And MLB let them off the hook. Yeah. And that part, that's that's the part too that bothers me uh the most. Yeah, I mean, well spoken. I think at the very least they should have had their trophy stripped away. I don't I still don't understand how 
that didn't happen. Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not college, right? So it's like I don't know if you can take away banners, this, that, or the other. But like suspensions, like for sure. Like you're like, talk to me, I'll give you immunity. No, you investigate and you figure out what the heck happened, and you suspend the heck out of these guys. Like they, they didn't, they didn't sit a game. Like yeah. there was no, there was no punishment handed down whatsoever. And these guys walk around, you know, pumping out their chest. Like, and so every single, every time, like anything that happens after that, like I can't look at it with a straight, with a straight face, right? Like there's yep. everything, even last year, like, hmm, what are they doing? Right. And I'll go back and, and look, I, I know, you know, we're not, not many of us are Trevor Bauer fans anymore. Right. But he said something. He said, he said, he's talking about, he's talking about Garrett Cole and how Garrett Cole went there and all of a sudden his spin rates just escalated, you know, and, and, and Bauer's like, yeah, I pitched with this guy in, in, in college, right? They went to UCLA. He's like, spin rate, hmm, interesting, right? Verlander goes there, all of a sudden he finds a freaking fountain of youth. Like, what's really going on down there, right? Like, I can't, something, something fishy going on, mm -hmm. right? With the guys at the plate still in signs using video, and then guys on the mound with their spin rates, wherever the heck they were doing down there, like something was up. So I think it's more than just one side of the field. Like I think I think it was going on on both sides. So no, I I, I will not get out. I, I don't even look at the city of Houston the same. <laughs> this is a true story. Fair <laughs> I can't blame you. All right, we're down to just a few minutes. So I read online you're a big foodie and into cooking shows. So I wanted to just get one quick food take out of you or a show that you are just all about. Big Triple D guy. Triple D is probably my favorite show. Diners, drive-ins, and dives on Food Network. So bad that I got my kid watching it now. <laughs> she knows that Fridays are for Triple D. She just turned four. So I got that going for me. Uh, in terms of restaurants, uh, one of my favorite spots is orleans in york um it's orleans like new orleans in york like new york they sell po boys they sell uh heroes great sandwich spot uh there's dude, there's so much great stuff in our city little jewel of new orleans if you're going down to the stadium it's on ord street it's right by philippe's so if you're going to philippe's you just walk right up that hill it's like literally like the next block little jewel of new orleans they have a crawfish mac that is killer love it awesome all right well rashawn haylocks thank you so much for joining the incline this week that was a really fun time you can follow him on twitter at r haylock so make sure to give him a follow and support his work like i said you can find him covering the sparks the south bay lakers or on ktla long time coming kevin i appreciate you for having me appreciate your patience thanks for all the south bay spark shout outs ktla as well and uh Tell Jake next time I, I want to see both. I want, I want the full the full experience. I want, I want to be like on here with both of you guys next right. time. We'll get you on very soon. We, we're always welcoming guests on, so we'll make it happen. Appreciate it. The Incline Dodgers is supported by TickPick, and I've been on a roll with TickPick recently. Purchased some tickets to go see the Dodgers play the Astros. Purchased some tickets on TickPick to go see Jimmy Eat World. Currently been scouting TickPick for last-minute concerts, and... To my surprise, they're beating everyone out there right now. And what makes TickPick even better? No service fees at checkout. So whatever price you're seeing at checkout, no hidden fees. That's what you're paying. And TickPick even offers $10 discounts to first-time buyers. So go to the TickPick social media pages on Twitter or Instagram. Click the link in bio and you can save 10 bucks too right away. So make sure to download the app. TickPick is here to provide some of the best concert experiences, sports entertainment to the fans out there. Uh, the electronic delivery is also really fast too. I was able to get my tickets, some of them the day of, some of them two days, really quick. So they're on it. These guys rock. And that was our interview with Rashawn Haylock. Thanks again, once again, to Rashawn for coming on. Really knowledgeable guy. Foundation of knowledge with the Dodgers as well. Some throwbacks, some name drops of guys I haven't even thought about in quite some time. The only thing that had me a little bit rattled was his Corey Seager takes. I mean, thinking that the now 2023 American League starting shortstop wasn't worthy of the 2020 World Series MVP. Not sure about that, but hey, he made his case. Let's talk some Dodgers. So that interview was actually recorded just a few days ago. Now 
this is Kevin Klein again, solo, July 1st, literally around the corner, probably when you're listening to this episode, I'm recording right after the Dodgers took game one out there in Kansas City at Kauffman against the Royals with a very convincing win, 9-3. to Bobby Miller looked a lot better. He picked up his fourth win early on in his young, what should be a ace-worthy career, in my opinion. Went five and two-thirds, gave up three runs. So let's recap June for the Dodgers. <clears throat> Maybe not the best month in terms of what we're accustomed to. The Dodgers went 12 and 12 in the month of June. They currently sit at 46 and 35. That's good for a game and a half back now of the Arizona Diamondbacks for the lead in the National League West. But despite um, a 12 and 12 record for the month of June, they kind of turned it on. Towards the end of the month, they beat the Rockies out there in cores. They took two of three. They took this last game against the Kansas City Royals. They obviously swept the Angels. Overall, in the month of June, they scored five and a quarter runs a game. And their pitching was kind of on par with what they've been all season. They had a team pitching staff of 446. But some good news for the Dodgers. We saw Daniel Hudson make his 2023 debut after a little over a year now removed from that ACL tear. And he looked pretty good, had some strikeouts, was throwing 96, dialed it in. And this is going to be a huge addition to the Dodgers bullpen. No doubt about it, especially with Shelby Miller. Gonna He's going to miss some time. We don't know if Blake Trinan will ever throw again for the Dodgers. But let's let's talk about some stats. No doubt about it. In terms of the hitting, Mookie Betts was an absolute star. Not only on June 30th when he went four for four with two home runs, and reached base six times, but the entire month of June. He hit 309 with 1,036 OPS. He had nine home runs, 22 RBIs in June. And guess what Mookie Betts did in May? He had nine home runs and 22 RBIs. So Lightning can strike twice right there with that interesting stat. On the season now, Mookie Betts is batting 270 with a 370 on base, 923 OPS, 22 home runs, 55 RBIs, we are literally halfway through the season. So if you were, were to double those numbers right now, Mookie Betts is on pace for 44 home runs, which would without a doubt be a career high. 110 RBIs. Those are superstar numbers right there. I don't understand, and I can't fathom the fact that there are Dodger fans out there that have been underwhelmed with Mookie Betts. I mean, <clears throat> what more is there that this guy can do to prove that he's an absolute superstar? Not only is he still a top five player in Major League Baseball, I mean, his war is nearly on pace now for a seven on the season. It's nearly laughable. I was told by someone that I'll keep anonymous that players like Manny Machado, Pete Alonso, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, even Bryce Harper were better than this guy. Foolish. Mookie Betts, if he were to retire tomorrow, would still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The Dodgers absolutely fleeced the Red Sox, as we know. The only notable name they gave up was Alex Verdugo, who will never amount to anything that Mookie Betts is going to accomplish in his career. And not only is Mookie Betts one of the best defensive right fielders in baseball, but I'm about to read you some stats of some other Dodgers. When you put Mookie Betts in the infield, those appear to be the more optimal lineups. I mean, this guy can play second base. He can play shortstop. Who would have thought coming into the season that Mookie Betts would be a grade A defensive shortstop, in my opinion? The guy does it all. I don't want to hear that his speed's declined. He's never been a big steals guy. He has stolen 30 bases in the past many years ago, but this guy is hitting for more power than what he did in Boston. And Fenway is one of the true hitter ballparks out there versus Dodger Stadium. So I don't want to hear it. Mookie Betts, elite. He's an all-star. Could finish as the front runner for the MVP if he keeps it up. We'll see how it plays out. Freddie Freeman. Had a pretty productive month despite only hitting 255, but he did have an on base around the 350 mark. Four home runs, 18 RBIs. Both Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman didn't miss a didn't miss a game in the month of June. JD Martinez, he had a little bit of a tear too. Seven home runs. He really went off in course field, had three home runs. I think he hit like 500. The guy is just a madman when he gets to Colorado. What a pickup. Another guy with 19 home runs on the season already surpassed his 2022 total of 16 home runs. There's your all-star DH. He got the fan vote to start. If J.D. Martinez keeps it up at this rate, 
he's going to have 38 home runs, which is absolutely insane thinking that the Dodgers signed this guy for a discount who wanted to rejuvenate his career off 10 million, one million, one year, 10 million, potentially 38 home runs off that deal. What an absolute steal. So I don't want to hear about the Dodgers letting Trey Turner walk. I don't think there's any Dodger fans out there right now that actually are missing Trey Turner. J.D. Martinez has been better this season. Jason Hayward, what a story. Spring training invite in the month of June. He hit 328 with an 892 OPS. On the season now, Jason Hayward's batting 264 with a 357 on base and 848 OPS overall. He's also got eight home runs mixed in there. Right now, you compare them head-to-head. Jason Hayward is having a better season than Manny Machado, who got handed an 11-year, $350 million contract in the offseason by the Padres to stay there until he's like 40. It's insane to think that Jason Hayward, who looked like he was at the end of his career, nobody wanted him, Freddie Freeman, really vouched for this guy and believed that he could add something to this clubhouse. And Freddie was right. Jason Hayward's been an X factor off the bench and the Dodgers could mix him in there in right field and put Mookie Betts in the infield. And these lineups are clicking right now. I mean, we already read off some of the stats, with what the Dodgers offense has been able to do all season. If you follow this podcast religiously, or if even you just looked at the month of June, where I said they're averaging 5.25 runs a game. What a steal with Jason Hayward. I mean, so many big contracts are handed out there and they don't even get close to this production that the Dodgers got off a spring training invite with Jason Hayward. I'll give some credit to Jake Reiner, who said not to give up on this guy, but David Peralta had a fantastic June himself. He hit 365 with a 406 on base, 962 on base plus slugging, add in three home runs, 11 RBIs. Uh, the freight train has really turned his season around after a very slow April, really effective in May. And a superstar-like numbers in June. David Peralta has been fantastic for the Dodgers. And so credit to Jake again for not giving up on this guy. A couple players that were a little frustrating, though. Miguel Vargas hit 149 in June. We've talked about him a lot. What are the Dodgers going to do with him at second base? He's looked pretty lost overall. And then Max Muncy, I know he missed some time, had the hamstring injury. But, I mean, 111 in the month of June? Come on. Are you kidding me, Max Muncy? 41 41 OPS. Now his season batting average is down to 189. And I understand he's got the home runs, 18 home runs, though it feels like it's been a minute since he's hit one of those out of the ballpark. So when you compare what he did last season versus this season, obviously the power is kind of more back for Muncy because he's healthier. But I didn't think he'd have a worse batting average. Batted about, I think, 197 or something like that last season. Now he's down to 189. I don't know what's going on with Max Muncy. Um, a fan of the show gave me a good analogy. He's been pretty Joey Gallo-like. So hopefully with the second half coming around, Max Muncy can really turn the season around because the Dodgers need consistent offensive production for Muncy, especially if he's a below average third baseman. Despite Clayton Kershaw dealing with some injuries, we don't know yet if he's going to miss his uh, next start in the month of June. Wouldn't be surprised if you guys vote for him as the Dodgers June player of the month because Clayton Kershaw, I think, had the best month of any starting pitcher in the entire sport. He went 4-0 with a 109 ERA, 33 innings pitched, over five starts, 181 opponent batting average against, 088 whip. Clayton Kershaw, year 16, just a number, like I said last episode. He is looking as good as he's ever looked in the last like five, six years. And so even though he's dealing with some shoulder fatigue, I think this is hopefully something very minor. Clint Kershaw hasn't missed a single start this season. And obviously he's carrying this rotation as in the conversation as the National League Cy Young. And he will be an all-star. I don't know if he'll pitch, but he's without a doubt going to be named to that all-star team. So the Dodgers for sure have three starters, Will Smith's going to be a bench player and Clayton Kershaw. That's five. Yancy Almonte out of the bullpen. He actually really turned his season around, had a 231 ERA just in the month of June. Tony Gonsolin kind of struggled, had a 582 ERA. Victor Gonzalez, another name that I'll mention, had a 945 ERA. And then Bobby Miller. He had three wins in the month of June. The rookie. What a guy. I mean, 
The fact that Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan were called up this season and they both look like they could potentially start postseason games. Just a testament to this Dodgers pitching development staff, the the pipeline, the drafting. I mean, these guys weren't drafted in the top 10. The fact that the Dodgers are able to snipe these guys in the later first rounds or the second, third round, and then they become top 100 prospects and then work their way up to even top, I think, 15 prospects in Miller's case. True, just, you know, that's that's some bragging rights for the scouting department right there for the Dodgers. It's insane. And we thought Gavin Stone was going to be the the breakout pitcher this season. But so far, I mean, Bobby Miller, Sheehan. Wow. That's the only that's the only way I could put it. Just wow. I think the Dodgers have a really good chance of turning it around. And, you know, despite being. Forty six and thirty five, which is about a ninety two win pace. Not terrible. Obviously not 111 win pace for the Dodgers. Still think this team's going to end up winning around 95, which should be good for first place in the National League West. Uh, They got another couple games with the Royals. Urias is making his return. It's been well over a month. And so that's definitely something exciting to look for. Looking forward towards he'll face Lynch of the Royals. Uh, If I had to guess, I think Urias will probably be capped at five innings, 75, 80 pitches. I don't think they're going to just let him be completely unleashed. It's been a while since he's been out on the mound. I think his last start was in St. Louis, which was early May, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So Urias coming back, that's exciting. Tony Gonsolin will face Brady Singer. I remember this game very distinctly where the Dodgers had the completely wrong scouting report on Brady Singer. They didn't think he threw a slider. And I think they thought he was like just a sinker ball pitcher or just a fastball pitcher, and he ended up being the opposite type of hard stuff, and then he threw he threw a slider more than most pitchers in the sport. He's been really bad this season. Hopefully the Dodgers can figure that out. Uh, just some quick thoughts on the Rocky series, but after the Royals, they got four against the Pirates, and the, let's be honest, they need to win at least two or three of these games against the Pirates at home. Pittsburgh's not a good team. They got off to a hot start. They ran all over the Dodgers out there in Pittsburgh with just a ridiculous amount of stolen bases. Hopefully Dodgers correct that issue because everyone continues to run on this team. But they got to beat this bad team. If they want to if they want to be first place and win this division, you have to take advantage of bad opponent of bad opponents. And so that was what was kind of frustrating, even though they won two out of three against the Rockies. That second game where they lost to a final score of nine to eight. It kind of just felt like Dave Roberts was punting this game away. I mean, he started Michael Grove, who gave up four runs. Not terrible in course. He was able to go five innings. But I didn't like the decision with the bases loaded to go to Nick Robertson. No, Nowhere has there been any indication that Nick Robertson could be thrown into a high leverage situation like that in the fire and come out of it clean. Just felt like Roberts was kind of handing this game, especially with that starting lineup, even though Yanni Hernandez had three RBIs, it was kind of a watered down lineup. And I just didn't like that. Dave Roberts was throwing all his scrubs out there. He claimed that Evan Phillips was unavailable. I think he claimed that Ferguson was unavailable, but I believe it was Grove. Gonzalez Robertson and Bickford, just a mouth vomit. And to prove my point that this was a punt, where are Michael Grove? In Nick Robertson today. They're both in triple A. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I got on the Dodgers right now. Just wanted to do a quick little recap. Um, but I did want to throw out some quick quick uh quick jabs because look around the league right now. There's no doubt about it. The two biggest disappointments in Major League Baseball are both in the National League, and it's the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. I was the only one on this podcast episode on this podcast series, I should say, before the season started, who said the Mets weren't going to make the playoffs. Currently, the Mets are 36 and 46, 10 games below 500 midway through the season. They're like 17 or 18 games out of first place. And the reason I didn't think this Mets team was very good was just the simple fact that they're too old. I mean, I went through this with the Lakers two years ago where they rostered Westbrook, Rondo, DeAndre Jordan, LeBron, AD. When you have an old team, 
they usually don't age very well. I'll give you some examples. I mean, think back to the New York New York Yankees towards the end of Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez's career. Those teams went nowhere. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, right after they signed Albert Pujols, they made it to one playoff series in 2014. But whatever GM continues to be hired or Artie Moreno, instead of trying to develop within, they just sign old washed up has-beens. I mean, Josh Hamilton, Anthony Rendon, Gary Matthews Jr., trading for Vernon Wells, giving a big contract to C.J. Wilson. Another team that just continued to rely on old has-beens because of name familiarity instead of developing within. It's a big reason why the Angels continue to just go nowhere. And then, I mean, look at even the Philadelphia Phillies after they had a little bit of a mini dynasty. Eventually, they got too old with Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Victorino, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay. And they started to fall apart and couldn't make the playoffs. And then they became a bad team. And so the Mets fell into this trap where they relied too hard on guys like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who were already starting to deal with injuries. I mean, Verlander's two years removed from Tommy John surgery. Max Scherzer had dead arm and then a number of oblique injuries with the Mets last season. And then they just didn't really have that impressive of an offseason. I mean, I like the move of Kodai Senga, but they didn't really bolster their bullpen. Their offense was kind of suspect to begin with. I know they tried to push hard for Correa, and that fell through. But I mean, they already got rid of Eduardo Escobar. He's very much at the end of his career. Pete Alonso's kind of tinkered off. Um, Starling Marte's up there in age. Just a complete mess with the catchers. Francisco Lindor, I don't know what happened to that guy. People were clamoring to him as the number one shortstop in Major League Baseball. And I don't know how he was an all-star finalist because Francisco Lindor, ever since he's put on a Mets uniform, has not been impressive one bit. So my last thoughts on the Mets, besides the fact that they're a disaster, they're going to blow it up. They're going to be the team that probably sells the most other than potentially the White Sox, is I don't know what delusion exists, why people think Shohei Otani would want to go to the New York Mets. Who's running that organization right now? That's right. Billy Epler. Who ran the Angels organization when Otani was pretty much there for the majority of his tenure? Billy Epler. This is the guy that instead of going after pitching, gave the world to Anthony Rendon and the Angels did nothing but lose under Billy Epler and Otani. So I highly doubt unless Billy Epler is fired, which very well could be the case because this team's a disaster. I don't see why Shohei Otani would want to reunite with Billy Epler, who's always been a terrible GM from the start. I don't see that happening. And then you got the Padres. What a disaster they are. They There's no team that deserves this, this mess more than the San Diego Padres. 37 and 45, 11, out of, 11 games out of first place. I don't know what they were thinking giving Xander Bogarts $280 million. And then Manny Machado. What the hell happened to Manny Machado? I mean, he's got like a 6, 4, 690 OPS, 8 home runs. All we heard was that once this team got Fernando Tatis Jr. back, they'd be unstoppable. I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm kind of speechless just with how bad this team is. Manny Machado is hitting 243 with a 678 OPS, nine home runs. They got walked off once again, this time by the Cincinnati Reds. They continue to blow leads in the later innings, too. I don't know what the hell happened to that team's bullpen. But A.J. Preller, I don't think there's a seat hotter out there in Major League Baseball than A.J. Preller's right now. Because if this team can't make the playoffs, he's got he's to gotta go. He's traded their entire farm. You could assemble an all-star worthy team now of guys that were traded away by AJ Preller. Meanwhile, the Padres, they might have just one all-star this season. They're just, they're a laughable bunch and their fans are obnoxious. And so I'm loving every minute of it. Overrated them and the Mets, huge disappointments or frauds, however you want to look at it. But yes, I don't know if anyone watches the bear out here. But season two is absolutely crushing it. If you don't, if you have Hulu and you're not watching the bear, I don't know what you're thinking. This is a must watch show. Season two, episode six, the family dinner episode. 
maybe the best television episode of anything I've ever seen. All right. I'm going to close the episode out here. Thank you guys so much for following the Inclined Dodgers. Make sure to subscribe and download our episodes. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a review. Help us climb those baseball charts on Apple and Spotify. Uh, We appreciate you guys' support. We're officially at the halfway mark for the Dodgers. Let us know in the comments below what you guys think of this team so far. Overall in the season, I'm going to give them a B. It's it's definitely not A-worthy, but they're not average. I'll give them a B. They're about meeting my expectations, so no complaints. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.